0: a popular outcast production
1: what does the fox say
0: Gentlemen, welcome to episode eighteen of the Portable Power Podcast. Today is February the twenty third, twenty fourteen. My name is Emrys Smith and I'm with Kevin Seibert. And
2: Mark Matters.
0: Yes. And uh we have a great episode lined up.
1: Breaking Ben is here. They're not really. <laughs>
2: Breaking Benjamin? What?
0: Yeah, they're here. That would be pretty sweet. No. They're our musical guest. (laughs) So our question, our question for the week is...
2: In your opinion, best TV show from the last 10 years?
0: Well, I have my answer. Go for it. Okay, it's not too late for Battlestar Galactica. Yeah. Almost, actually, but not actually too late. Battlestar Galactica sneaks in under the wire. Mm Mm-hmm. Breaking Bad is good,
1: too. Yeah. Breaking Bad is the best TV show of the last ten years. Like, the production values, the writing, the characterization. Eh, like, there, there wasn't a single bad episode of it start to finish. The show was phenomenal. It's a modern Shakespearean tragedy. Mm. There's just... there's There aren't any flaws with it. However, I will never watch it again because it is emotionally <laughs> draining. Yeah, that is true.
2: My answer is Doctor Who because no show possibly in my life. I'm talking Doctor Who, 2005 to present. No show in my life has gotten me so emotionally invested. And and while not every episode is perfect, overall, it's just my favorite show of probably the last 30 years.
1: That is a really good choice.
2: Well, we are a a, a Portable Games podcast. So before we get too far down the rabbit hole of of great television, Emerus, are you drinking this evening?
0: (laughs) Hot chocolate. Yes. Again. It's delicious. Actually, I forgot about it, and now it's cold chocolate, so... But whatever, I'm still drinking it. No marshmallows this time.
2: Notice how I went from my, this is a video game, high horse, to let's talk about beer. (laughs) (laughs) What about you, Mark? What are you drinking tonight? Oh, I have a rare treat. This beer is called Ovila. It's an Abbey Quad made by um, Sierra Nevada in collaboration with these Trappist monks that are also in California that I just found out about with this beer. So yeah, it's a Belgian-style Abbey quad, brewed with sugar plums, and it is 10% alcohol, and when we get to the end of this episode and are reviewing a certain game, I might burst into tears.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That I cannot wait for. I I will say that that sounds good, although I'm cautious because I think Sierra Nevada brews shit, generally. Um
2: Yes, I would totally agree. This is the best thing they've ever done. Okay. This and Ruthless Rye, their rye IPA. But their flagship beer, like the the pale ale... Oh, God, it's awful. It's the most overrated garbage I've ever had. So what are you drinking,
1: Kevin? I'm drinking some Ronza Kappa 23. I'm getting towards the end of my bottle on that. Some and, Ronza uh, Swanson? Yes, Ron Swanson ah. is in my mouth right now. <laughs> Um, that's too much man for you, Kevin. <laughs> I, I know, I, I should be so lucky. <laughs> so what have you guys been playing that isn't for the show?
0: Uh, I've been playing a boatload of Street Pass.
2: Oh, you oh, yeah. dirty rotten scoundrel.
0: <laughs> like, what have you been playing that's not for the podcast, Kevin? Well, I played some Wonderful 101. And? Yeah, I've heard that you loved it.
1: You still hate it? Um, I switched the difficulty from the highest setting down to a lower one. Yeah. And I enjoy it more now, though I still find it to be sorely <laughs> overrated by reviews. Okay. Um, 'cause a, a lot of reviews that I read have, have given it like a like a B plus to like a solid A, and I don't see it.
2: I'd I'd put it around a, a low B.
1: Yeah, like that's probably what it deserves. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't know that I'm gonna end up finishing it. It has some interesting ideas, but overall I think it's a fairly mediocre brawler. Okay. And uh, the other day, I got um, Crystalis for the Game Boy Color in the mail. I saw that. What the heck was that about? Um, yeah. It was just like I remembered that it was an NES game, and then I found out that there was a Game Boy Color port of it, and I just felt like I wanted to play it because it's supposed to be this, you know, it's this cult classic RPG from the NES era, and I love NES games. Yeah. So I just, you know, I I found it for a reasonable price on eBay, and I and I bought it.
2: What about you, Mark? I've been playing Shenmue on my Dreamcast, and I've been doing this be- well on a whim. I busted out my Dreamcast, and I and I and I got out Shenmue, and um, within like a couple days, I'm like, I still have yet to purchase Shenmue Two, which I have, I've said more than once, is like my quote unquote holy grail of gaming. So mm-hmm. I, I went on eBay, and after losing one auction by a dollar. I won an auction by a dollar, so now I have a European copy of Shenmue Two in my house that I'm going to start as soon as I finish the first game.
0: Cool.
1: I'm
2: really excited about it. It's one of my favorite games of all time, and it's it's starting to feel dated, you know, the controls and everything. It's it's starting to really show its age, but I don't know. It just is. It's earned a special place in my heart. And Rio Hazuki, I'll never forget you. <laughs> So Emrys, go. Uh, you set up a StreetPass relay point in your house.
0: Yeah. So I ev- I don't even remember how I found out about this. So recently, Nintendo added a thing to StreetPass where you can go to a, a Nintendo Zone, like a sponsored Wi-Fi point. Like McDonald's has free Wi-Fi, Starbucks, Et and T stores for some reason. Hmm. Anyway, the idea is that you go there, your 3DS street passes with the place, and then you can leave, and then somebody else comes there and they street pass with you, even though you two didn't actually pass each other. Yeah. So it's places like, like if you live in like a rural place, it's so that people can still street pass and use the street pass features without actually having to travel to like a city, you know. And, uh, so the idea is that places like that, like the mall, you go to the Starbucks and you can street pass, you know, a bunch of times all at once. And anyway, some enterprising people on the internet decided that if you could street pass at Starbucks, there was no reason why you shouldn't be able to street pass, you know, from the comfort of your own home. To be honest, I'm not sure how it works on a technical level, but you spoof a Nintendo Zone from your own Wi-Fi and, uh... You can street pass just as if you had gone to Starbucks.
2: But it's not based on like people walking past your house. It's getting them from the internet, right?
0: Mm -hmm. Well, it's getting from people who street passed their 3DS with that MAC address. Okay. You tend to street pass with a lot of other people who are also spoofing their Nintendo Zone. It's not like going to McDonald's where you get people in your neighborhood. So now, the big feature are the the mii plaza or whatever they're called, those street pass games. And that can only street pass with six people at once from any MAC address, and only ten people total. And what I've discovered is that playing these games is actually really different when you have nine people compared to three. And I actually enjoy them a lot more. So since I did the review of the the three new games I want to go back and revisit them. Okay. Now that I can street pass at will. The first thing is the the gardening game.
2: Still my favorite.
0: Yeah. Well, it's still good. It it doesn't really change the experience that much when you only have three people compared to nine at once. You end up with a, a, like a, a lot more seeds, though. Like, mm. tons of seeds. Uh, and it's pretty easy to get new breeds since, like, the breeds tend to spread sort of organically as people street pass with each other. Uh-huh. So because I'm street passing with people like from Sweden or Japan or like all over you know Texas, Minnesota or wherever, I'm getting a lot of different plants and you know how it says you become a master gardener when there you get twenty plants?
2: Yeah, it keeps going though
0: yeah, that's like a joke. There's eighty breeds, so getting twenty is just just the beginning the The second game, me Force, like I wouldn't play it i would I would get a street pass with like Kevin. And then I would, I would like go in with Kevin, and I die as fast as I could, and then quit.
2: Yeah, but when you have nine weapons equipped,
0: <laughs> yeah. So when you actually have nine little balls, <laughs> you suddenly the game becomes fun. Yeah. When you only have one, like you cannot get hit by anything. You'll just die. Like it's just game over. So that's no fun. And even if even if you get three, it's not it's not great because the game is kind of hard actually. I'm still terrible, I'm still really bad at it, but I at least, like, want to play. So that has been a major improvement for me. And I really, like, I don't even know how you play that game with street passing the way I was before. Like, it's just kind of a grind. I'm on the last planet. Me too. It's, <laughs> it's It hasn't been easy. Uh, Warrior's Way is not very different at all. Ugh. You can get more little army men per day, but... Other than that, like, it doesn't change the formula very much. The biggest problem is that I run into people who have, like, 9 million troop armies. Yeah. So that game kind of makes me feel like I have a tiny penis. (laughs) That came out weirder than I thought it would. Tiny penises tend to do. Yeah. (laughs) And then the final game, the Haunted Mansion game, Mm -hmm. you you just make a lot more progress through the game with, with more people, and there's no sense of how... Like big the game is, so I have no idea if I'm like getting close to the top of the tower or what. Hmm. It, it's really time-consuming placing all placing all those pieces, though. Yeah, I play that one probably the least. If if you don't mind a little bit of hacking and you have like a spare laptop or something with a Wi-Fi in, installed, it's not hard to get up and running with this Home Pass thing. So, and it's it's it's. I think it really is. An interesting experience, depending on what kind of games you're playing on the 3DS.
2: I just wanted to take a few minutes and talk about Nintendo's new free-to-play game, Steel Diver Sub Wars. I don't know if either of you had the chance to download this. I didn't. Okay. Well... This is, I guess, you could consider it a sequel to the 3DS launch title, Steel Diver, but it's a completely different style of gameplay. This is a a free-to-play first-person submarine battling game, Um, and in the free-to-play version, you get one sub to choose from, and then there are two mission types, each with three difficulty levels, so essentially six levels to play. If you pay the premium price of $10 for the full version of the game, you get 18 subs and five more mission types. It's a very different type of game than I'm used to. It's it's in first person, but I would not call it a first person shooter because I think that's a disservice to this game. Your submarines move very slow. It's like driving a school bus. It's it's very methodical, very slow. Um, so there's a single player mode, and there's also a multiplayer mode, which is cool because in the free, free-to-play version, you can still play the multiplayer. And multiplayer is four-on-four team-based deathmatch. And I really like this mode. It can get pretty frantic, very hectic, despite the slow speed of the subs. And there are no respawns, so you may have to make every shot count or you're going to let your team down because it only takes one or two torpedoes and you're done. The communication system is Morse code, which there is a guide for, but I just thought it was, despite being so slow to send any message at all, like it was just unique i don't know i, I found it, it was a really clever and sort of immersive thing to put in the game even though yeah. a lot of people hate it
0: <laughs> i'm sure
2: but um yeah that's about all i have to say uh i considered getting the premium version to review but i decided against it since uh the actual game i'm going to review later came out the same week but if you have some free time i suggest getting the the free-to-play version
0: you actually convinced me with that. I I did not have any interest in it before, but it sounds really interesting.
2: Yeah, it's uh it's worth it's worth playing considering it's free. do
0: Do your does your sub make noise? Like, if you move faster, do you make more noise?
2: I believe if you sit still, you don't show up on their sonar.
0: That's how that's how subs fight each other. Like, it's all sound based. Okay, which is it's it's really bizarre tactically. It's like Star Trek. Not the not the the new movies, but like the old TV show was very much like like giant slow moving ships that like fired at each other a few times. and that's it.
2: Right. That's that's a pretty accurate description of this game. I see this is like a dad game. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Just like Star Trek. Yeah, exactly.
2: Well, Kevin, why don't you tell us about Bravely Default?
1: For anyone who remembers the old Final Fantasy games, you know, 10 and prior to that, um, it's... If you don't remember the Final Fantasy games, we're having a refresher later on. (laughs) 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 It's a similar battle system, which is, you know, a a party of four people. You input commands for each character individually. It's turn-based. But what this brings differently what this brings different to the table is the Brave and Default commands from which the game takes its name. Yeah, um, Brave lets you take turns in advance that you have to make up the deficit for later, and Default allows you to go on the defensive and store that turn for later use. And it actually becomes... A- a lot more strategic than old Final Fantasy combat. Yeah. Because, like, there was never really a great reason to use the defend command in those games. Mm-hmm. Right. So it gives you the ability to save a move while protecting yourself and then take multiple moves at once to deal massive damage without having to miss turns. Um, but at the same time, using the brave command, you can take up to four turns at once. And that becomes a really great way to just breeze through random encounters. Exactly. So that that was ultimately the strategy that I found working most of the time.
2: And the way they handled random encounters in this game was refreshing. Yeah. So not, not only can you adjust the frequency from double the normal rate of random encounters to completely no random encounters... Wow. You can speed up your battles. So if you just want to grind, you can set your battles to 4x speed and double the frequency of random battles and just be grinding at quadruple the normal speed <laughs> you would be in any other Final Fantasy game.
1: It's a godsend.
2: It is, because in this day and age, it's it's necessary. I don't know if it, that's a good thing or bad thing, you know, in terms of us as gamers, but it, it feels good here. Well,
1: this needed to happen a long time ago. Like, I'm surprised that it hadn't, because it feels so natural now that, like, now that I've gotten used to it, I'm just like, well, sure, why weren't they always this way? <laughs> <laughs> um, so th- that's that was definitely a great decision on Square Enix's part to do that. Especially because some of the random encounters are pretty brutal. Like, just time-consuming. And especially like, whenever you yeah. move to a new area. I don't know if you found this to be the case, but I found that anytime I went to a new area... Suddenly, like, enemies were ridiculously powerful, and I could really only get through probably about three battles before I had to go to an inn and sleep.
2: No, I've been grinding my jobs and abilities, uh. so whenever I get to a new place, it is more challenging, but I I have never been... I've been defeated once, and we, we could, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> and the one the last thing I'll say about random battling and stuff is, you know, in older games, maybe you'd get to a point and you're like, you know what, I'm gonna die, I need to go back to the inn and save, mm-hmm. and then you'd get hit by a random encounter on the way back to the inn, and then you'd lose an hour of progress, you can just shut off the random battles in scenarios like that in Bravely Default, and um, smooth sailing, you know?
1: I, I find myself not doing it for that reason, because I I I just I kind of like the tension that it creates. Oh, like, not me. Oh man, am I, gonna, am I gonna make it, you know? And like, there's just something to me that's really rewarding about, you know, fighting tooth and nail in a battle where, like, my entire existence is on the line.
2: Yeah. You, if you wanted to play this like it was freaking Final Fantasy 1, you could.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but why would you want to? I
2: don't know, you're a sadist? Yeah.
1: So, uh, the, j- the job system is fun.
2: Oh my gosh, it's the best part of the game.
1: <laughs> yeah, easily. Easily the best part of the game. Uh, they've created some interesting new job classes as well as some you know old standard jobs that they have, you know classics like Knight and Ninja and things like that. um the one that I liked that I was surprised Potion Master. I haven't gotten that one yet It's actually it has some really cool ideas. It's an interesting mix of attack and support. Hmm. like you can heal your party you can you they get a skill called inoculate which means that you can use an item in advance like a recovery item in advance to make a player immune to that status effect. Oh wow. So like when you get into a boss battle, um you know like a boss that use it, that likes to use poison mm-hmm. or if they like multiple status effects just have your potion master inoculate using a remedy. Yeah. And nice. suddenly everyone it's something like Anyone that you use that skill on is immune to all status effects. like you don't need to worry about wasting a slot with a uh, trinket yeah. that makes them immune to, to a status effect. That's a
2: really great like support ability.
1: It is, but they also they also get bonus effects from attack items like bomb arms and mm-hmm. pantheon's wrath. Um, so like th- those you know those kind of throwaway items that you don't really use because of course you have a black mage in your party. Right. Exactly. They they gain bonus power and they can actually mix and match attack items to have different effects. So like that was a fun class. Ultimately, like I found that I couldn't keep a character in that class for too long because he requires re- he requires resources to do this. So it's either you know buy items constantly for him to work with or yeah or have a mediocre character in your party so I I switched my potion master to a ninja as soon as the opportunity arose but it it was still like a really cool class to play around with and just adding brave points as a resource just adds a new level of strategy to the gameplay so that was was a lot of fun
2: How did you feel about the story in the game?
1: Eh, how about you?
2: (laughs) Okay my thoughts are, I think the story is good. The the If you take it as, like, you know, the basic outline of the story. The actual writing and dialogue, it's, it's a bit long-winded. Oh, my God. And not terribly well-written.
1: That's kind of how I feel about it, too. Now, I, I didn't finish the game. I only got to chapter four. Right. So maybe it has an amazing wrap-up. But overall, I found... Tiz and Anya's to be the most boring characters in the world. Tiz is Luke Skywalker without any darkness in him. Yeah. And Anya's is just... Like, the only thing I like about her is she's like, Unacceptable!
2: <laughs> she's a prude.
1: <laughs> oh, I hate her. I hate her um, so much.
2: What I like about the story are the, the, the exploration of the religious themes that they're kind of doing. Like, it seems... I'm a, I'm not as far as you are into the game, mm-hmm. but it it speaks to me because a lot of the world is moving away from the old religion mm-hmm. and shunning the people that still practice that religion and moving into more like, what would you call it?
0: postmodernism? modernism like, Sure. <laughs> I don't know.
2: <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what to call it. but um,
0: You just went deep, Kevin. That was too deep for this podcast. Say something about dicks. Somehow. Uh... <laughs> My penis is so big. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: that was beautiful.
2: My urethra looks like a, a vulva. There. <laughs> wow.
0: I just got a really vivid image in my mind that you I not You are welcome.
2: <laughs> so, anyway, I don't know. I mean, that's it. I like the story so far, but I don't like the writing that much. If that makes. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, the, the, the characters. Um, particularly before a boss encounter, the characters will just ramble on and on and I'm just like, shut the fuck up!
2: And there's full voice acting, which is nice.
1: It it is nice, but... And and it's fairly well delivered, like, it's not hammy most of the time.
2: I have it set to Japanese.
1: Oh, I have it it to English. So, I I, I mean, the the English voice acting in games normally bothers me if it's a Japanese Mm. game, but... I think the English voice acting pretty solid. Um, I really like Ringabel and Adea. I think that they're interesting characters. I, I mean, Ringabel made a very bad first impression on me because he's yet another JRPG <laughs> character who has amnesia.
2: And they gave him an, a pun for a name.
1: Yeah, and, and I read that, and. I, I, like my reaction was, "Oh, come on!" <laughs> yeah, yeah. But like, as he went on, like, just you know, like he's a likable character. I mean, he, you know, he's he's a bit of a womanizer, but like, it's oh yeah, it's just you know, it doesn't bother me. And like, the longer the game goes on, I just I like him more.
2: Yeah, everybody loves him.
1: Yeah, he, he's he's definitely the fan favorite character for this game. Yeah, uh, I also like that the villains. As the, sh- as the game goes on, have, like, real motivations and real reasons for doing what they're doing other than, I'm so evil! <laughs> um, like, they, they actually... I mean, I don't want to spoil anything. Please don't. But, like, when you get to Chapter 4, like, you fully understand, like, why the Eternian forces are such dickbags.
2: So earlier I mentioned that I've only died once. <laughs> Alright. I died fighting Praline.
1: No. Yep. (laughs) How is that even possible?
2: The J-pop star who summons soldiers with her song.
0: (laughs) Oh, that's that's shameful. That's embarrassing. I know that exact feeling, like, oh, I lost to this bullshit?
2: Yeah, well, (laughs) the thing, she's hilarious, I think. We go
0: wild!
2: Well here's the thing, again, it's I'm awesome. playing in Japanese. Oh right. So you don't it's all uh, that, <laughs> that wasn't that wasn't meant to be racist, sorry. So racist. <laughs> that was just me impersonating her high pitched voice and saying oh. words that I can't pronounce. Um <laughs> sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> um but she summons people to f- to help her fight you and yeah. so I'm like okay every time i kill these guys she's summoning she summons more so i'm just going to focus on her and that was the biggest mistake
1: yeah you have to kill those guys cuz they're they're all of her damage that's all she does yeah. is have guys fight for her.
2: so are you like me where you typecast your characters and only give them certain types of jobs oh definitely definitely yeah so tell me tell me your ideal like Uh, jobs and abilities per character.
1: Okay. Tiz is kind of a wanker. (laughs) Um, so, like, I made him a red mage, because I just always kind of hate red mages. I don't know, like, I, they're fine, but they're, they're not spectacular by any means. Jack of all
2: trades, master of none.
1: Exactly. Agnes is my mage. Okay. I have her set permanently as a white mage, like her, like her secondary skill is white mage. Mm Mm-hmm and then i just have her doing like whatever other magic class i fancy at the moment like summoner or time mage or something like that i have ringebel as a it's not sword,
2: spell fencer spell fencer
1: that's right yeah spell fencer pirate nice um so i have him casting like elemental magics on his axes and he just like he'll hit people for like 5000 dot for 5000 hit points
2: That's insane
1: yeah he's he's crazy um, and adia i just I, I like her as like my strong female character mm. so i have her being like the tank of the group like i had her as a knight for the longest time but it, what i what i actually like to do and this this is making Tiz way cooler than he actually should be cuz gosh i hate that character um I have him mixed up with ninja support abilities and red mage support abilities, because red mages gain brave points for dodging attacks, if you have the right skill set, and ninjas are really good at dodging attacks. Yeah. So... That's perfect. Yeah, so, uh, like, Tiz just has tons of moves all the time. Mm Mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Adea is getting to the same point. She's not quite as advanced in in ninjutsu as Tiz is, because I didn't change her as soon. I I gave her the, um, Swordmaster Katana Mastery. So, like, she's not using daggers. She's using katanas, and she has them dual-wielding, because that's what ninjas do, they dual-wield. So, she just, you know, she crits all the time, because katanas crit a lot more. Um, so she's wreck and shop pretty well. That's awesome.
0: If I had the game, I would have strong opinions, but I, I don't have the game, sadly. I really want it, though, especially now.
1: Thoughts on Bravely Default, my final ones. Um, graphics, really good. Looks beautiful in 3D. Oh my gosh,
2: the, so good. The environments
1: have like just so much depth and detail.
2: My favorite thing to do is just stand still for like a couple seconds, because it zooms all the way out and shows you yeah. the entire area.
1: This The cities are so unique. Oh, my gosh. All of them stand out, and the yeah. art direction is beautiful. I love the clock town.
2: Yeah. Um, my favorite town is the first town.
1: No, but the, the I like the clock town the best. That's the second town. Sound design is fantastic. The voice acting is strong. The music is beautiful.
2: Including Praling's pop songs.
1: They, they are. They are. <laughs> there's, as far as the gameplay goes, it adds a lot of new stuff to JRPGs, like the option to skip random encounters and things like that that are, like, fast-forwarding through battle. So important. Like, I just, it's yeah. really kept me playing. Although, there's a lot more fetch questing than I really want there to be. Like, at the close of Chapter 3, there's a particularly egregious fetch quest that, had me tearing my hair out. I was just it's, like, for the love of god, how many times do I how many times do I have to run between these two locations? They made so many advancements, but they still do stupid shit like that. Yeah.
2: Well, they have plenty of time to fix it because they announced that they want to make Bravely Default a yearly series, like Call of Duty or Assassin's oh, Creed.
1: That would be a mistake. I think that I would love to see more Bravely Default games, but I will not play one every year. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Okay, so the street pass stuff allows you to summon people in battle. Mm -hmm. And it also gives you residents of Tiz's town that was demolished. And as you accumulate street passes and get more people for this town they rebuild the town which means they rebuild the item shops, the weapon shops, armor shops, all that stuff. And that means you get um, to benefit from that. So you get all these great Exclusive items from that.
1: Yeah, it's it's a really big deal to do because the items you get from this are so much better than the ones that you can buy without doing this. Right. Anything.
2: And um, the f- your friend list gives you people to summon in battle. It's a one-time thing, I guess. But mm-hmm. um, it's really cool to be able to summon Kevin to come to my aid in a battle and and do some minimal damage because apparently. <laughs> Did you did it not update for you? It never updated, so you did like ten damage.
1: Huh. Yeah, because like I had my my power was at like five thousand something. So it should have been doing a lot more than that. I don't know why yeah. it didn't update for you. But yeah, like I, I I've summoned you and I've summoned Jeff. And yeah, you guys are gonna have done some pretty decent damage.
2: Yeah, my summon is a summon where I summon the the ice witch or whatever she is.
1: So it's it's cool to try to do like, the most damage that you can with with your sent move. Because you actually choose what move you want to send. You can Every character has a special move that they can use in battle, and that's defined by your weapon class that, that you have equipped. So, and, and each weapon class has certain conditions that you have to meet. Like, if your weapon is daggers, you only get your special move after you've used an item um, 5, 10, or 15 times and each, you know... There are three different moves for each weapon class. Or for the axe class, you have you have to finish off, you know, deal the killing blow to so many enemies. Um, for mm. swords, you have to use the brave command like twelve times or something like that. Um, so it's it's really cool that you can do that. And you also have additional customization beyond that. You can add elemental affinities, power boosts, other kinds of special effects. Like you can add like a poison effect to it. You can add a silence or a stop effect. And it's just staggering, the amount of content. What um, we're
2: saying is the game is deep.
1: Yes, there's, <laughs> there's a lot going on. And if you've never played a Final Fantasy game before, like, a surprising number of people, it's going to be overwhelming at first, but it's definitely worth your time to sit down and, you know, try to sort through it, yeah. provided that, you know, you have some kind of interest in the JRPG genre. Right. But th- what I will say is the tutorial is pretty thorough. And they do it in the form of quests, so it's not quite so much like, you know, homework.
2: But I highly recommend it, even if you aren't, like, a seasoned RPG fan. Like, it's it's a good introduction, because you can play it on your own terms.
0: Yeah, it sounds like there's a lot of customizability to your strategy.
2: Yeah, well, there, not only that, but, I mean, the difficulty itself is customizable. Oh, yeah. So a couple days ago, a game came out for a 3DS called Weapon Shop de Omase, and I have been looking forward to this game for, gosh, almost two years. This is developed by Level 5 and Next Entertainment in collaboration with Japanese comedian Yoshiyuki Hirai. It's available exclusively on the Nintendo 3DS eShop for $7.99. It's the final game in the Guild series, and it, the reason it took so long to get to Western Shores is because of the extensive amount of writing in the game. It took a ton of translation and localization, above all, to get this Japanese humor that's in the game to land in English. So Weapon Shop Damwase is mostly a rhythm game, but it's also more than that. We've all played... Plenty of RPGs, like Bravely Default, where you're this powerful hero on an epic quest. But have you ever wondered about the lives of the other characters whose path you intersect along the way? The NPCs. Like, what does the average day look like for them? While the heroes are out doing the important work of saving the world, Weapon Shop de Omase sort of dwells on that thought and uses it to peek into the life of an NPC blacksmith and rental shop owner in this fictional old-school PC role-playing game world. Specifically, you play as the apprentice blacksmith tasked with doing all the heavy lifting under the supervision of the owner. Numerous times a day, heroes and other NPCs on various quests will come into the shop with a variety of weapon-related needs, and it's up to you to supply them with the appropriate item from swords, to spears, to clubs, to knives. In terms of gameplay, it's it's, it's kind of weird. It's a, It can be a bit confusing at first. But there's this flow chart in the manual, and it, I'll paraphrase that to make this easier for us all to understand. Your first priority is forging weapons in this rhythm-based minigame. And I'll explain that more later, but every few minutes someone will come into the shop uh, with a weapon request, which you can either accept or decline. If you accept, you'll attempt to choose the best weapon for the job based on their stats, the mission requirements, and then they'll take the weapon and they'll leave the shop and they'll go into battle. Multiple characters will be questing at the same time, and you can monitor them all by this like bizarre like, Twitter-esque feature. Keep in mind this game is set <laughs> in the Middle Ages. So if you chose the, the weapon well, the character will venture, eventually return with it and any other goods they recovered on the quest, and then these goods can be used to make new weapons or give the available weapons new attributes. In between forging and dealing with customers, you have to polish the old weapons or their uh, efficiency is diminished, potentially leading to failure uh, of the customers on quests. Failures result in you losing the weapon forever. So, okay, so now just do all that that I just said over and over again a hundred times and you have (laughs) Weapon Shop de Omase in a nutshell. (laughs) This forging mini game is the heart of the game. Once you've chosen what weapon you want to make and what material to make it out of, either by commission from a customer or just to build up your inventory, one of maybe ten songs will play, and you have to copy a series of taps made by your boss in time to the music. The more accurate the placement and timing of the taps, the better the weapon. Now, it is a rhythm game, but it's not a music game per se, so all the music in the game is just kind of all right. I honestly can't think, like, I can't recall any of them in my head right now, but they're just these quaint little instrumental tracks that sort of fit the theme. And even, like, it seems like different types of weapons have songs that complement them. I recall making this, like, super long katana, and the song had this, like, sort of slow, methodic piece playing, while, like, some of the other weapons had, like, an imperial march, or, like, a surf rock anthem for some reason. Visually, Omase is fine... The main characters and the patrons of the shop are pretty much on par with, like, your average Dreamcast game. Um, the 3D is well done. You have to keep in mind that the, the guild games are small projects by small teams made as budget download titles. There's nothing here that's going to blow you away. Um, so I mentioned in the beginning that this Japanese comedian helped create the game. Uh, I'm not really familiar with his work, but he, he must be, like, an RPG lover. The character dialogue and that uh, Twitter feature that I mentioned earlier are packed with all these silly jokes that pay homage to RPGs of days gone by. One NPC in particular mentioned that he needed to get back to town so he could wander around aimlessly in a predetermined pattern. Mm -hmm. Another exclaimed to a monster that he wanted to defeat it so he could actually be be a playable character in the sequel. There's just (laughs) a lot of silly, random jokes. One guy, like, there'll just be random stuff that pops up On this in your feed, and like the one guy who was like, "Love is like a fart. If you have to force it, it's probably poop." (laughs) And all of this stuff is accompanied by this uh, presentation that it's like the whole thing's in front of a live studio audience. So they laugh at the jokes and they applaud at recurring characters. And there's all these oohs and ahs given the you know the circumstances. So my final verdict is biased. You know, I'm a I'm an I hate to label myself, but I'm a niche gamer. I suppose I'm a hipster by some standards. <laughs> hipster bullshit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't like big loud games where I'm this burly white dude shooting people because, you know, xenophobia. So, Weapon Shop de Marseille is right on my alley. It's weird, it's funny, it's charming, it's incredibly unique, and it's just bite-sized enough to squeeze in gameplay while you're squeezing one out.
1: Um, <laughs> so when you have to force it, it's poop, and that's when <laughs> you play the game?
2: Exactly. <laughs> it's, it, it's good for people that have a heart for that Japanese zaniness. Um, I'd also recommend it to RPG addicts and maybe rhythm game weirdos and people just looking for something fresh. I think a single playthrough will probably clock in at around 10 hours, which makes it the, oh, wow. actually the, the lengthiest of all the guild games. If you include the post game content, I've heard reports of people spending 20 to 40 hours on Weapon Shop De Amasse. Wow. So crazy. it's definitely worth the 8 bucks, I think. But more importantly, in 1994,
0: <laughs>
2: before many of you were born, the greatest video game of all time was released. And Emerys has more on that. <laughs>
0: can you say about Final Fantasy 6? Wait, I thought we were talking
1: about A Link to the Past. You said the best game of all time. Oh!
0: <laughs> Final Fantasy 6 beats A Link to the Past every time. Oh, that's not true. <laughs> you, you could make them fight and Final Fantasy 6 would
2: win. I don't know. It's turn-based, so it might take them longer to, to beat <laughs> Uh
0: So the the thing is, I I did the Chamber of Secrets, the Harry Potter Chamber of Secrets last time, Mm -hmm. and it got me thinking about JRPGs, and I got this big, like, nostalgia urge for an old-school JRPG so I could compare, like, why did I feel so dissatisfied by Chamber of Secrets? And I'm not going to get into a comparison here because, I mean, Final Fantasy Six wins, obviously. But, um, I do want to review the game, and I thought it would dovetail nicely with Bravely Default to do some comparison and contrast between old Square Enix and, like, new Square Enix. Yeah. Uh, there's a couple things that I want to get out of the way right off the bat. This, um, this game app for Android and iOS just came out in January. The, the app cost $16. And for a mobile game, like for a Play Store or a App Store purchase, that is a shitload of money. Yeah. All right, so the first question you got to answer is, is it worth $16? Hells yes, it's worth $16. <laughs> I've only played for like seven or eight hours total, because I got really distracted. But in just in terms of hours clocked per dollar, this game is quite a good value. On top of that... The production quality is spectacular, which brings me to the next thing I want to talk about. I, I I'm sure you know, the art. Yep. My first impression of the art was that it was awful looking. My description was that it looks like uh, Adobe Illustrator took a shit on it.
2: Yeah, my my first impression was in the last episode where I said it looked like a doo doo burger.
0: Doo <laughs> doo <laughs> burger, you're right. I actually played the game and I compared it to my nostalgic feelings about the SNES game, and, you know, what it would look like on a modern system. Because, actually, I believe the backgrounds are mostly untouched.
2: They appear to be, from what I've seen.
0: So, I actually um, changed my opinion about the art after playing it. The characters are very faithful to the original pixelated graphics, I think the primary reason why they changed the art at all was to make them scalable. So if you took those old pixelated, beautiful, unbelievably expressive, and engaging character designs from like the 16-bit SNES graphics, they would look like like big blocky Legos on you know an 11-inch tablet, you know, or an iPad. Okay. Now that is only to say that. A modern 12-year-old who's used to, you know, brave, who's like just finishing Bravely Default and wants more, for example. Or like a, um, a nostalgic older person like us who is, you know, bombarded all day long by 3D-accelerated graphics. Right. I believe what Square was thinking was that they wanted it to look better on, to make it scalable. So that it would look good at any resolution, and not look like a Lego thing at at high resolution. Okay,
2: I I see your point, and I understand. I still think it's
0: ugly.
1: Yeah, I I saw it in action. It, they did exactly what they did to Mega Man X. Yeah, I disagree. It 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 looks unappealing to me. Like I I, I played I played around with it for a little bit, and I just I did not care for it at all. The the art style rubs me completely the wrong way.
0: And I, I think a lot of that is
1: nostalgia. Maybe. Well, no, it's not nostalgia. They took something beautiful and shit
0: on it. They didn't shit on it. They didn't...
2: This whole this whole, <laughs> this whole, review is going to be an argument, isn't it?
0: <laughs> I know. This is why I told you guys, I, I told Kevin, I was like, Bravely Default and Final Fantasy 6 will be a complete episode. Yeah. He said, no, there's not as enough material. It's not like Pokemon. Lies. Lies. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I agree.
0: All right.
1: I was wrong about that, but I'm not wrong about this.
2: Let's right. let's let's get past the graphics then, because we we're, we're, <laughs> we will never agree.
0: No, um, I the the animation is extremely faithful, and the character designs are exactly the same. They they made a production choice, and whether you agree it was the right one or not is mostly a matter of taste. Needless to say, if you if you're not attached to the original pixelated art. I don't think that the graphics will offend you. Getting those two things out of the way, let's talk about the game, because my, my, chief, my chief memory of Final Fantasy VI was Kefka. Mm-hmm. Kefka. is the most influential video game villain I've ever experienced, and what it comes down to is simple. He laughs. Yeah. Maniacally. I didn't remember anything about the story, Because I played it years ago, 10, 15 years ago. I didn't remember anything about the story, but I remembered Kefka, and I remember him laughing. And he goes... So, Kefka and his little, like, sprite, Mm -hmm. like, his mouth opens, and he he looks insane! And he is insane! And he has this insane, like, ear-piercing laugh that just penetrates your soul. The
2: most insane, evil sociopath in video game history.
0: Yeah, he actually inspired me to come up with a literary device which I call the fucker. <laughs> okay. The fucker is a character who has no purpose other than to like shit all over everything good in the world. There's something that you want your players to hate and want to kill it with fire. Like a fucker is a spider in your story, and Kefka is like the best fucker ever written in human history. From minute one, he taunts you with his laugh, and then he, like, does the most evil things. Like, the first thing he does is poison an entire village, like, just because. Like, because it's inconvenient for him to attack them conventionally. It's He's told not to by superiors. He's a court jester, basically. Like, I don't know how this guy got, like, command of an army.
2: Well, he was also, like, a... A prototype-like super soldier.
0: They, they probably get into it more later, but, but he's just like, like, at first blush, you, for all you know, he's like their diplomat, because he's just like there, and he's dressed like a clown, and he kills everyone he sees indiscriminately, and it's beautiful. Uh, the rest of the story is really engaging, and I want to talk about it in terms of the gameplay, because it's very railroady. Which I'm actually okay with, and this t- dovetails into the um, random encounter system that they use, which is so maligned, and you look back on it with hatred, which is normal, because I think everyone does.
2: When the um, you're on that floating world, yeah, right before like the midpoint of the game, that's when random encounters
1: are deathly.
0: Yeah, they they definitely ramp up.
1: I also remember one time. On my playthrough of this. And I don't remember even what part of the game this this was in. Because, gosh, I haven't played this game in 15 years now. But I wandered a little off course. Like, so, so you know, like to, to an extent where I didn't even know I was off course. And I got dropped into monsters that were just way over my head and one-shotted my party. Like, I don't even know how I got <laughs> that far out of bounds... But the game is like, oh, well, you disobeyed us, and now we punish you.
0: So, and also, one thing they added for this app is, like, an auto, like, a, a, a ramp system. So, like, you push the button, and whatever the last command was that you gave each member, they keep doing it. That's considerate. And, and it speeds up the game. Yeah. Bravely
2: Default does that, too, yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so they actually added that to um, Final Fantasy VI, which uh, is pretty nice. Yeah. Uh, defending still does nothing. <laughs> You can do it, and you take half damage, but it's like, why? You know, just heal. And you can put—it's an interesting tactical thing too, because you can put people in the back row, like your spellcasters. You can put in the back row, and they get less damage. Mm-hmm. They do less damage too, like unless they use their special powers. Exactly. And uh, so lacking a job class system, um, every character gets their own special ability, and the strategic point of the game comes from having like over a dozen playable characters.
2: There's 14. It's the it's more than any other Final Fantasy game to this day.
1: It's yeah. rough from a from a storytelling perspective because some of the characters uh. didn't get a, didn't get as well developed as others, but at the same time, the ones that did get developed were very well done.
2: I think there's only like two that really don't get well developed.
0: I didn't remember Shadow at all. He's just Oh no, no, there. Shadow
2: you got to have Shadow in your party and sleep it in. And then you learn all about Shadow.
0: (laughs) See, I never played him. Like, he just has... I didn't like his his special thing. His dog?
2: Interceptor? Well, the dog is
0: cool. Love the dog. dog. But, like... So, here is where the game gets really interesting. Because you have 14 playable characters. And only ever four slots in your party. So, really early on, you learn that you have to, like, make difficult choices about who you keep around. Yeah. Based largely on their awesome shit. Mm-hmm. So, like, like Edgar is OP at the beginning of the game. <laughs> like, the first six hours, he's ridiculously overpowered because he attacks everyone on the screen.
2: Mm-hmm. Auto crossbow?
0: Yeah, the auto crossbow is is huge. Because it just hits everyone. And before you have spells, it's like the only thing that does.
2: Um, side note, he is the reason my son is named Edgar.
0: He's an interesting character. He's the ladies' man.
2: He is. He's sort of the ring of bell <laughs> of Final Fantasy yeah. VI. But he's also a, a, a noble king and a little bit of a Han Solo type, too, I think. I did really
1: like yeah. him a lot. I think probably my favorite character was Locke.
2: Locke is, you know... He's the protagonist. Pretty much. Him and Terra.
0: Yeah. And, but, like, there, there are so many interesting side characters, and, like, they have really interesting relationships with each other. Yeah. The way it handles 14 characters is that it splits you into three groups sometimes, Mm-hmm. and you fight, like, you go through, like, these quests where you're with one group, and then you do the next group, and then another group. It's kind of, it's a linear story, but it branches and then re-merges.
2: More than once.
0: Oh, yeah. Like, that's what stopped me from finishing the game the first time, was I played with the same four characters exclusively, and then it put me in a three-party situation where I had, like, four characters who were probably level 60, and then everyone else was whatever the last time they earned XP was, like, level 14 or something, yeah. But, like, you get really attached to the guys that you use, Mm -hmm. because you develop, like, trinket strategies for them, and, like, who has what spells, you know, you've got your dedicated healer, your white mage, your black mage, but, um... It's not job classes, it's all, like, how you use those espers.
1: Yeah, each esper teaches a different spell.
0: So if you want someone to be do damage, then you, like, put um, damaging spell espers on them. Magisite. Yeah, and it takes time to unlock those abilities.
1: Like, it's sort of like Final Fantasy VII's materia system, but a permanent spell, Yeah. like, gets put on the person from having the magisite equipped there after so many, um... I don't know, what was it, like job points or whatever they called it in that game.
0: So that that business with um, the Espers is where you make all of your strategic choices and like which four characters you use.
2: The Espers are summons. I don't know if we've explained that. They're basically the summons in modern Final Fantasy games and they're also like an ancient race that existed before humans.
0: It's it's kind of like the Guardian Force system in, in Final Fantasy VIII, but not exactly. Mm-hmm. It's similar. Yeah. The the main thing is that like every character has something OP they can do. Like one character just absorbs magic. Like somebody will cast a spell in the whole party and she just flips them off yep. and gets four mana points. Well like,
2: the funny thing is when you don't know how to use that ability, you're like that. <laughs> yeah, it just that does nothing. nothing. What did you just yeah. do? Nothing, absolutely. <laughs> and then when you figure out how to use it, oh my gosh.
0: Gal is the craziest character. Yeah. Because you have to like train him. And then you get this endless list of monster mm-hmm. names with no context for what any of them do. Mm-hmm. And so it's just, a, like, you just, you just sort of, like, try stuff. And yeah. you're like, oh, this one is crazy. This one doesn't seem to do anything. It's probably crazy, and I just don't know what it's doing. Is he basically a blue mage? I forget. So the deal with Gao is, he has rage abilities. And, well, you... Go to this special area in the game called the Veld, which, by the way, a big has one of the best musical scores of any zone that Ooh. I can remember. I, the music started up, and my heart, like, started pounding. I was like, oh, I remember this! And so you make him leap. He leaps up into the air and disappears for a while. And then until he comes back in, like, two combat encounters, any monster that you fight, Gao absorbs their powers. And so then, later on, you use Gao and you click on Rage, and Rage brings up a list of all the monsters that he's learned powers from.
2: Massive list. I don't know. I feel like every every character in the game is useful.
0: The only one that I feel underwhelmed by is Locke, with his steel. Yeah,
2: I guess. <laughs> like, he's essential to the story, but
1: that's it.
0: Right. And I guess later on, like you could probably steal really good items...
1: I mean, I, I, I liked him as a character, not really yeah. as his, like, utility. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, you don't think about that when you're playing the game. You're just, like, locks, you know, the hero, sort of. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I'm trying to remember the other character.
1: It, Edgar's brother, but I can't remember Sabin. what it is. Sabin. Like, his command is really cool because you have to punch in Street a button moves. series. Yeah, Street Fighter-esque type stuff to actually pull off these really powerful moves but if you mess up the combination you fuck up and he does nothing right (laughs) yeah yeah
2: luckily i was awesome at street fighter 2 when this game came out
0: so so that's an interesting one because in the because it's on a touch screen there's no d-pad Ooh. so you you actually just tap on icons like literally never mess up (laughs) oh man (laughs) (laughs) which is sad it's a little sad yeah that his his combos become like really reliable because right. it was like the only limiting factor on him. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, he's insanely powerful, and you just always get it right. Yeah, he's unless murders. unless you forget what the unless you forget what the combination well, you, you is.
2: You can go to a menu and look at them up. Right,
0: you can just look them up.
2: But yeah, like I, there are so many memorable characters in this game, and this game is this game was my first true role-playing game I ever played. Yeah. I was, like, 14 years old at the time. My friend lent me this game for, like, months because it took me forever to finish it. And it completely blew me away. Like, it changed my opinion, changed my complete view of video games. Mm-hmm. Like, the, the writing, again, like a Bravely Default scenario, like, the actual, like, dialogue and stuff isn't anything, like, spectacular.
0: Like, there's a lot of silly jokes.
2: Yeah. But, like, the, the characterization and the actual plot I just at the time I was like this is um, incredible. I had no idea video games could be like this. But when you get when you get to when you get to the opera scene, I was like what am I playing? This is <laughs> Yeah. That that moment I 14-year-old me, I can guarantee you was like welling up, like tears in my eyes and everything.
1: There are just so many iconic moments in that game. Mhm. And, like, uh, unfortunately, those are the only things I can really remember. Like, I can't remember any of the stuff in between, but, like, the, the the closing of the game is, like, I don't know, I mean, it, it kind of continues the whole Final Fantasy tradition without doing too many spoilers, but the whole Final Fantasy tradition of never really having a happy ending to anything. Or not an entirely happy ending.
0: The only comparison that I can make that stands up to Final Fantasy VI is Chrono Trigger.
2: Mm-hmm. I agree.
0: Yeah. I think we could talk all night about Final Fantasy 6. Like, there was this forest that you go through, and then there's, like, a ghost train that I had completely forgotten about. That is completely badass. That is one of the
2: most, like, crazy, and, like, when you find out, like, uh, one of the characters' families is on that ghost train to the afterlife. Oh, my gosh.
0: They get on, like... You're like, this is, a, this is kind of a morbid, like, thing. Yeah. So, alright, what happens is, you just escape from the, the castle where Kefka is murdering everyone with poison. He poisons their water supply, against orders.
2: And he kills the family, inadvertently, of one of your party members.
0: No, it's like, on purpose. They just drink the water, and everyone dies except this one guy, who, like, gets warned. He's like, the water looks funny. Everyone dies. <laughs> he, like, runs to his family. He gets there too late. They just, they're just they dead. Yeah. That's Cyan, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And he's inconsolable, and he's running around. He's, like, kicking ass. There's this whole cutscene where he's, like, taking on three people at once, and you have to, like, help him out. He's just like, you're in my way! <laughs> he slaps you around. <laughs> anyway, so you escape from the castle where Kefka murders everyone. You go into the forest, where it's just spooky. It's, like, a spooky forest, and you're Trying to get it out. You want to get to the town so you can save and go to an inn. And then you run into this ghost train. And, like, before I even realized, I was like, oh, I'll explore this little area. And then I got on the ghost train, and it's like, shoof, you're off. into the, They're like, oh, this thing is taking us to the afterlife. I'm like, well, that's kind of morbid, you know. And I'm, like, playing around. I get through the ghosts. At the end, you, like, fight the train engine, and it's awesome. And it yeah. killed my guy. Because, like, phoenix downs, I've discovered, don't actually do anything. <laughs> you, like, use a phoenix down, and then your guy immediately dies, because the AI is actually not stupid. Yeah. So, you your phoenix down brings a guy back with ten hit points, and he just dies. hmm Anyway, I beat the train, and I get off, and you're on the platform, and I'm like, oh, this is, that was really awesome, and then you, like, walk to the exit, and... Everyone from the castle is getting on the train. Everyone that Kefka murdered with poison. And at the end, it's like your character's family. And it's so, like, it's so wrenching.
2: It is, with these little, tiny, sprite characters. And yet, it, ev- why... it evokes so much emotion. But they so, were much still
0: so expressive. Yeah. They're incredibly expressive. And and the
1: soundtrack plays a huge oh, part in is in the storytelling. The
2: greatest video game soundtrack of all time. This is even Nobuo Uematsu himself, the one who has done the soundtrack to pretty much every Final Fantasy game, said this is still his best best work.
0: I, I like when when you guys were talking about the um, the rhythm game with the, yeah. all the Nintendo music. I was kind of like, yeah. I mean, I don't really know like how you'd get all the tracks. And then I played Final Fantasy VI and I completely remembered like, oh yeah, this is some of the most piercing music. Every track is like a shock to my system because I'm like, oh I remember, yeah. I remember this song. If you have never played Final Fantasy VI, you owe it to yourself.
2: There, And there are multiple ways you can get it. You can obtain the most expensive ways to get the original SNES card. It's actually called Final Fantasy III. But you can get it on PlayStation 1 it has CG cutscenes, they fixed a bunch of bugs, there's now a quick-save feature.
0: Which is awesome.
2: I have the Game Boy Advance version, which there are even more bug fixes. Um, they tweaked the graphics a little bit, not for the worse. Um, and you they like, like the app. And they, yeah, they reworked a <laughs> bunch of the names to make the names more faithful to the Japanese version. And then there's additional espers, dungeons, spells, and even a boss. This is all in the Game Boy Advance version. And then, of course, like Emmer said, you can get it on iOS, which has shitty graphics. and <laughs> But it does have a, <laughs> h- a make hint you go system. Blind.
1: It's on the Wii Virtual Console, too, isn't
2: it? It's on the Wii Virtual Console. That one is the SNES version. It's on the PlayStation Network. That one is the PlayStation 1 version. So there are multiple ways you can play the greatest game you ever play in your entire life. And you should <laughs> look into it. And as late as last year... Square Enix was still considering a 3DS remake similar to what they did for Final Fantasy 3 and 4. So yeah, look it up. Get into it.
0: it, will, it, it, it it's a work of art. There's no question about that. It makes Chamber of Secrets really look bad.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Emerus, we need your review score.
0: Oh yeah, it's Infinity. <laughs> it's Omni. My <laughs> review score is Omni plus Kefka's laugh. Oh man, <laughs> <It's just> devastation, <laughs> emotional and magical.
1: You're 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 getting into like advanced maths here. Yeah,
0: this is it's a metaphysical review. Like I yeah. can't give it a number. Yeah, the art makes it one one star. Bad game. Do not buy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean the the mobile. Game probably isn't your best bet, I would assume, because you, you said it was what fifteen dollars,
0: 16 dollars
2: $16. cheaper on PS, PlayStation Network, and Wii Virtual Console.
0: Yeah, yeah, but if you don't have a four hundred dollar gaming system, <laughs>
2: fine, you could download a free <laughs> emulator.
0: Well, that's what I how I first played it and it changed my life. I wouldn't deny that experience to anyone. We've had yeah. that conversation. Yeah, before.
2: I understand. I understand. <laughs> Well, we're running uh, a little late, folks, so we're going to wrap this up. So, thanks for listening. Um, Look us up. Portablepower.popularoutcast.com. Make use of our Amazon banner. It helps us out. It helps you out. Don't ask how, because I'm too drunk to tell you.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But make sure you clear your cookies first.
2: Yeah, Get Yeah. get the cookie jar and just empty that whole thing out.
1: Let it go right to your thighs.
2: Mmm, yeah. Uh, Twitter, at Portable Power FM, slash Portable Power Podcast, and email us at portablepowerpodcast at gmail.com. We're still looking for, you know, games. Yeah, any alcohol. games you'd like to
1: hear requested. <laughs> uh, any games you'd like to request that we review. Any
2: beer you'd like to h- hear us drink. But you better be buying it for us, people. No, I'll buy it. Don't worry about it. I got you, ladies. Um. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> i think any women i didn't alienate by threatening to jenny weasley probably just left the podcast
2: oh my goodness <laughs> so all right
0: we've gone off the rails tonight
2: we've got this is almost two hours this is two hours of yeah, recording so hours. let's uh let's get the heck out of here let's go to bed choo choo chugga chugga wait that's the wrong show wait <laughs> oh. All right. Good night, everybody. Thanks for listening. Good night.
1: Oh, man, now he's got to put that (laughs) that slider noise in over that word again.
0: I want Kefka's laugh over that word. Can I get Kefka's laugh? (laughs) (laughs) Um, We've gone off the rails tonight.